so grateful for the way the Lord has blessed us in so many areas, and especially musically. We thank our praise team, and thank Jackson and Judy for stepping up today in Philip's absence. Appreciate that so much. Isaiah chapter 6 is where we'll be this morning, and if you are physically able, I'd ask with you, stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with the burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it. And he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you would allow us, as we look at your word, as we dive in today, to get a glimpse of your glory, to see you for who you are and ourselves, and Father, to understand that you have more for us than we can possibly hope for or imagine, and that our greatest fulfillment in life comes as we get on board with you and your plans for us. Bless the reading and proclamation of your word. Now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Yesterday morning, I was uh, on my weekly date with Denise to Walmart. We, uh, uh, you know, I would like to say that we have a, a real date every week. That doesn't always happen, but we do have a real trip. It is a testing of our relationships, of our Christianity, and everything else as we enter Columbus and head into Walmart. We typically go sometimes Friday nights, but usually Saturday. And, and this weekend, of course, being Memorial Day weekend, there was lots of people. Also, there were so many things that were off the shelves that had, had already been sold out. Uh, I remember we went to get straws, couldn't find straws, finally found one thing of plastic straws. Like, so you people are some straw-loving people, or somebody in our county, because all the straws were out. Well, another thing is when we finally got, we, we kind of, I don't know, everybody has a system. Now, ours is to go to the back and, and then work forward. Do y'all do that? Some of you do, at least. Some of you probably start in the vegetables and fruits and, and go from there. 
it's okay, you're, you're a likable person anyway. But, you know, the normal way, you come back and, and you finish up, and right before you get to the frozen stuff, you come to the bread aisle, and, and we were there, and we needed some buns. We were going to get some, you know, hamburgers and hot dogs for the weekend and, and found some hamburger buns, got to looking for the hot dogs, and all of the hot dog buns were gone. I mean, all of them, and by that, I mean all of the great value because that is what we buy in our family is great value, the cheap ones, and and they were all gone, and I keep looking. where. And there was some Pepperidge Farms. Now, I, I don't know if I've ever had a Pepperidge Farm bun in my life. I just look at that, ooh, that's expensive stuff. I don't buy that. But I broke down because there was no great value. I brought, bought this Pepperidge Farm. So we get home in the afternoon, and we decide, let's go ahead and have some of those hot dogs for lunch. And so fix them up, cook them up, get ready. Got all the condiments out. We're starting to put them together. I pull the buns out, and, and, and I go to open the bun, and and like, it's, it's not opening like it's supposed to on the side. You know, you hate that. I thought, okay, let me just turn it around. Well, the other side, it's not opening either. And I'm like, I paid too much and I got gypped because this thing is not opening. And I look back at the package and all of a sudden something I've never seen or realized in my whole life. I look back, Pepperidge Farm, but then there's small letters below it that say top sliced bun. Have y'all ever heard of such a thing in your life? I had not. 47 years old, and I never knew there was such thing as a top-sliced bun. And so when I had, this wouldn't work, and this wouldn't work, and all of a sudden, it's like this angelic music came down. I thought it just opened right up, and I thought, this is perfect for chili dogs. How have I lived my whole life and never known about top-sliced hot dog buns? I mean, mind was blown, right? Well, I have found that the older I get, the longer I live, the more I kind of tend to think, you know, I, I know stuff. You know, my, my kids, college age, they think they know it all. But, hey, you know, by this point, I really do. You know, right? And so then things come along, and they surprise me and shock me that I say, hey, how did I not know this existed? You know, the awesome thing about God's word and about our relationship with God is there's always something new. Even if we've read it cover to cover, God always has new things. There's always stuff that we haven't considered or haven't understood or haven't really got the big picture. And in this passage that we're looking at today, Isaiah learns some things. He sees some things. And there are things that you and I need to see as well. And I want us to talk about four things that are greater than we can imagine. Four things that, we're, that are greater that we, can, that we could ever imagine or would have ever thought about, but Isaiah saw them in this encounter, this vision with God. The first thing is God's glory. God's glory is greater than you could ever imagine. Back in, uh, back in the day uh, in which he lived, Isaiah lived, they weren't on the, you know, B.C. and A.D. kind of thing. They didn't have the in the year of our Lord such and such. And so instead of a preoccupation with dates, they referred to big things happening. And we sometimes still do that, even though we've got our calendar. We'll talk about where were you when the space shuttle exploded, when JFK was shot, when 9-11 happened. Uh, when Princess Di and Mother Teresa died in the same weekend, what were you doing that weekend? And we talk about big things and we remember big, huge events in history and what we were doing and what we were thinking and how we were living in that time. 
And so here in this passage, Isaiah begins with the words, in the year King Uzziah died. Now that means really nothing to us. I don't know anybody named Uzziah. I've never had any friends that I called Uz for short or anything like that. No, no buddies named Uzziah. But Uzziah was a huge character, a huge deal in the life of Israel because he was one of the rare good kings they had, and he wasn't on the scene for like two or three or five or ten years like a lot of kings, and they, you know, they got deposed, they died, whatever. Uzziah had lived and reigned for 40 years. Uh, excuse me, not lived and reigned, he lived a lot longer than that, but he reigned a solid 40 years. And in that period of time, for a king to reign 40 years was amazing. Not only that, but the, the world around him, uh, the Assyrian Empire and some of these other uh, empires around in the ancient Near East, you know, they were creating these reigns of terror. They were uh, beating up and taking over all these uh, things, and war was constant. But somehow, Uzziah was able, he was smart, he was a capable and good leader, and he was able to navigate things through for the nation of Israel. And so as long as he was on the throne, everybody felt good. Okay, there's trouble, to the, there's trouble back to the east, to the north, to the south. But you know what? Uzziah's on the throne. Everything is okay because Uzziah is on the throne. But then Uzziah dies. And the people who had been the people of God, yet in reality, in many ways, their trust might have said that they were the people of Uzziah. They started to falter. They started to fumble. They started to, to fear a little bit. Because life as they knew it was no longer the same. Tragedy had befallen them. Their once great king was gone. And there wasn't a new great king popping up to, to follow him. And God gives Uzziah this vision. Because even though he was a prophet, he was a person just like anybody else. Subject to all the same fears and worries and concerns. And God wants to help him understand, Isaiah, Uzziah is no longer on the throne in Jerusalem, but I'm still on the throne in heaven. I am still seated there. And he gets this image, he gets this vision from God of him seated on the throne. And just this immaculate, amazing vision of God in his glory filling the whole temple. And there's these seraphim. You know, it's so funny. These seraphim sometimes are mistakenly in art pictured as, as little, you know, chubby, little Cupid, little baby sort of things. In fact, these things are kind of scary. Because if you translate the word seraphim, literally it basically means to burn or fiery ones or burning ones. And so these amazingly powerful angelic creatures who have six wings, two to cover their faces so they do not see the glory of God, two to cover the lower half of their body, and two to which to fly, they are there in front of the Almighty God, and they are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, and, and that is their constant cry. And, and Isaiah's like, whoa, wow. Okay, Uzziah was a big deal. I liked him. He was a good guy. I had faith in him. I trusted him. I felt secure with him on the seat, on the throne in Jerusalem. But now I realize the throne that matters is the throne in heaven. 
It is, it is the heavenly Jerusalem. It is the temple as only exists that can't be seen by human eyes nowadays. There God is seated on the throne. I, I don't know what your tragedy or hardship that you are facing or have faced, but we all have them. Sometimes they have to do with our health or the health of someone that we love. Sometimes they have to do with relationships, careers, you name it. We've, you've experienced a, a death like he did of someone close to him. And these things are so big that they take over our entire world and we think they're so huge we can't move forward. And then God reminds us, guess what? That's big, but I'm bigger. His eyes not on the throne, but God in heaven. And so you and I can see from this passage that God's grace, his glory, excuse me, his glory is greater than we can imagine. Second, you and I need to realize that our sin is greater than we can imagine. The response that Isaiah had, and remember, he's probably a pretty good guy already because he's an active practicing prophet. He probably, you know, has a pretty good list of the things he's done and the things he hasn't done. And most folks would probably look at him and say, yeah, he's a good guy by human standards. He's a religious guy. He's an upright guy. He's a trustworthy guy. But when confronted by the presence of God, he says, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm ruined. I'm doomed. You see, throughout Scripture so often... This, this is what happens when people see God for who he is. They begin to see themselves. The light of his glory shines on our own lives. And we begin to realize the sin, the selfishness, the self-centeredness, the pettiness, all of the things about us that we'd kind of excused and we kind of let go and we've said, well, I'm better than most people and my good outweighs my bad and all the pet sins that we've made excuses for, all of these things suddenly come to light in the light of God's glory. And we realize, man, there's, <laughs> I am nothing apart from God. I'm nothing apart from God. And we have this revelation, not only about God, but a revelation of God that is seeing who God really is also becomes inevitably a revelation about ourselves because in the light of his glory, our sinfulness is revealed and we have to finally get honest with ourselves and quit excusing ourselves and quit winking at sin. And this is what Isaiah did. He, he realized, I'm a bad dude. I'm not a good guy that everybody thinks I am. Oh, yeah, maybe I keep certain rules. Maybe I do certain religious practices, but there's, there's sin. And he says, I, I have unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Now, we read that, and we may immediately say, oh, you had a potty mouth. Oh, you use bad language. You said bad words. And that's possible that that's what he's referring to, but I really don't think that's it. I think it's more along the lines of what Jesus taught in the New Testament, that what's in the heart comes out through the lips. You see, it's, it's what we, who we really are. When our guard is finally down, we really, you know, some, we might be able to act nice or be nice and, and not say mean things, ugly things, selfish things. We may, can keep up our guard and our act, 
around certain people, but eventually what's in our heart comes out. And so when he says, I am a man of unclean lips or impure lips or filthy lips, regardless, there's different translations of it, but he's saying, look, I'm not so great. And I live among a whole people. And by the way, he wasn't trying to say, but, you know, I'm bad, but it's okay because my nation's bad. So, you know, I, you know I'm kind of average among them. He wasn't excusing himself. He was saying, God, I am not only feeling responsibility for myself, but I feel responsibility for this people because I am your prophet, your servant, who has, who has been called to minister and to guide this people. And so here he is confessing not only on his own behalf, but on the behalf, on the behalf of his nation. So his sin is greater. But that leads us to the next realization about something greater, and that is God's grace is greater than our sin. God's grace is greater than our sin. The Bible tells us that one of those, uh, one of those fiery ones he takes a pair of tongs and he goes there to the altar, which has really only kind of been assumed at this point that the altar is going in the temple. And it says he picks up those tongs and, and, and he grabs up one of those live coals, burning fire, and he touches it in this vision to the lips. And, and it says, you've been clean. You've been restored. You've been forgiven. Now, what, isn't that something? What if today I said, hey, we're going to have a special invitation. And look, I know that all of you have sinned this week. So I got some charcoal briquettes that I've lit up up here. And uh, I, just come up, pucker up, and, and, and I'm going to, you know, fix you up. And you're going to go home all, all clean and pure, but it, it may sting for a minute, okay? But guess what? Guess what? Confession and repentance is kind of painful sometimes. Sometimes it's kind of hard for us to actually admit what we've done wrong, to actually say, God, I need your forgiveness. I need your help. But when we do that cleansing, when we do that weight of any guilt, when we experience God's grace and the peace that comes with it, it's overwhelming. And so we need to remember, not get, while we need to recognize our sin, that's really important. God never wants us to get bogged down in our sin. God wants us to move from recognizing our sin to repenting of our sin and receiving God's grace and forgiveness. You see, it's the devil that takes all those things from the past. He is the accuser. That's one of his names because he likes to, to remind you of your past. You failed. You messed up. You did this. How can you ever be of use to God with all you've done? But that's the voice of Satan, not the voice of the Lord. God's voice is welcoming, is calling. He is wooing you back into relationship with him, into fellowship with him. But that confession, that relationship can really only be right when we own up to what we've done, how we've been, how we've lived. And, and so, but God gives that, when we repent, when we confess, God gives that grace. That's amazing. So the things that are greater than we can imagine are God's glory, our sin, God's grace, and finally, the privilege of serving God. The privilege of serving God is greater than we can imagine. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm kind of a perpetual kid, 
But when I read things in the Bible so often and I think about them and I ponder on them, what do they look like? I just go back to school days, to elementary school, and I think about things that kids did because we act like we're so sophisticated, but, but really most of us were kind of kids at heart. And even my 85-year-old mother will tell me, Tim, I don't feel any older in here. You know, it's, it's, it's still the same up here, you know. The, but, and I look at this and him saying, God saying, whom shall I send and who will go for me? And he says, I'm here, God. And I just go back to the playground and everybody lined up and there's two captains. And they're getting ready to play wiffle ball, dodgeball, softball, whatever it is. And boy, you're looking, right? And pick me. Pick me. You want to be on the friend with your buddy, or maybe you're super competitive and you want to be on the friend with your on, on the on the team with your friend, or maybe maybe you just simply don't want to be last. But you're like, pick me. I want to go. I'm ready to play. Pick me. And that is how exactly Isaiah's attitude was. And he wasn't saying it because it was a plum of a job. He already knew from previous experience. In fact, God told him, hey, guess what? Your mission is to go preach to these people um, that aren't going to listen. They aren't going to hear. And he's like, how long do I do this? God, oh, until pretty much the whole kingdom's gone because they're going to ignore me. And, you know, like God straight up told him, this is a tough call. It's almost one of those, the few, the proud, the Marines. I mean, it was almost kind of one of this like, hey, if you want a greater challenge than you've ever faced, you come and work for me. You come and serve And he was so excited, and he said, here I am, Lord, send me. Because he was like all of us, we just look with our normal eyes, and we see the world around us, and we get our values out of whack, and we we think that number in our bank account or our retirement account, or or, or we think some number on a test result, or, or, you know, some other thing in life, we think that's the most important thing. But when we actually get a vision of God, and his glory and who he is, our priorities get reoriented. And we realize that whatever we do, and it doesn't matter our occupation, it doesn't matter if you're a, a pipe fitter or a painter or who you are in life, whatever you do, your job is to glorify God in what you do. He says, pick me. I'll go. Who will go? Who will be my messenger? I'll go. You see, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. Above your job title of teacher, engineer, uh, landscaper, factory worker, whatever you are, that's one job title, but you got a job title as a Christian that's above all that, and it's ambassador for Christ. Your job is to proclaim him, is to know him and make him known. And something about that it's greater than we would ever imagine is being in the service of the king of glory there's so much i had this feeling that one day we're gonna we're gonna come to the end of our life and we're gonna step into the presence of god and we're gonna say wow didn't realize that wow i never knew that and it's gonna be a bigger deal than even a top cut hot dog bun it's going to be a, such a mind-blowing thing. Wow, God, there was so much more you had for me. Some of the things we won't realize, we can't realize, but a lot of things we're simply not seeing in life or not catching what's really important because we're not looking at the right things. 
Rather than looking at God, we're focused on the world around us so much. And God wants us to get a glimpse of his vision, of his grace, of his mission that he has for us. He wants us to get right where we have failed, to confess so that he may forgive. And he wants to guide, direct, and empower us so that we can have the greatest adventure we could ever have, and that's serving him as Christ's ambassadors. I challenge you today to personally take on that goal, not just to say, yeah, God needs some people. Lord, please raise up some pastors, some missionaries, some Sunday school teachers, some elders, some men's ministry leaders, some women's ministry leaders, you know, and on and on and on. But to say, God, I'm not sure what the role is, but pick me. Whatever you got for me, God, whatever's out there, whatever you think I would be best in, Lord, pick me and I'll go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're small and you're big. That's a very simple way to say that, God, that, Lord, even though you've created us so specially, your word tells us we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And that is all true. But God, without being linked with you, without being on track with you, our lives just don't have a lot of meaning and purpose. But God, with you, the skills, abilities, talents, experiences, passions, all the things that you have put into us, they mean something. As we realize who you are, who we are in light of you, we realize that your grace is so great that you can redeem and restore us. And beyond simply being forgiven, God, we are challenged. We are initiated and inaugurated into your service for a mission and a job that's of eternal value. Lord, help us to see what's really important in life, and that is bringing glory to you and enjoying you. Lord, we pray now for this time of invitation. God, that whatever, whatever you've been stirring and working in hearts, Lord, that we'll say yes. Maybe there's a public decision of someone who needs to say, this is, this is my church, I know it, I just haven't made it official. Maybe there's somebody who says, I know the Lord, I've met the Lord, but I've never really... I had the courage to tell everybody about it publicly, and this is the day that I'm going to do it. Maybe someone today is saying, you know, there's been a calling on my life, and I, I just haven't gone there yet. I haven't accepted it, and today is that day. I don't know. And Lord, it's very possible that the decisions today are very private ones that, that won't be heard by anyone else but a man or woman, boy or girl, who right now is dealing with the Spirit warming their hearts and calling to them to get something right, to accept forgiveness, to accept hope that you're bigger than whatever the huge problem they're facing right now. God, whatever it is you're doing, Lord, may your spirit be at work and not be hindered. And may we be obedient to you. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand? As we sing, I surrender all, number 579.